Drake's buyer. They looked like an army, the police in their helmets, armed with batons, crouching behind riot shields. They looked like Nazi stormtroopers. Behind them loomed the diggers and the bulldozers. Their headlamps falling down like spotlights on the scene. They were an army. This was a battle, a very real war. Are we ready to take the fight to them? I was crouching low in one of the lookout posts on the edge of the Elfland. That's what we called it, Elfland. A rambling network of free tree houses and rope bridges in my home for the last six months. I glanced around, taking in some of the faces I knew from the crowds of Elflanders, now amassed to fight for their homes and for the survival of Drake's Bear Woods. Kinsey Evans, the six-foot punk with a pink mohawk and an absurd voice like a cartoon mouse, Crazy Lil with a shaven head and extensive tattoos, Billy the Troll, a hairy little Scotsman, so called for his ability to dig and live in tunnels. Oldest of all was Mrs. Parkhurst, Elf's land's oldest resident, a century-old widow from the little town of Drake's Land End. She hated a proposed relief road, and had fought for the survival of the woods from the onset. She had been living in a ragged corporation of arboreal shanties longer than I had. I clutched the cricket bat by my chest and tensed myself for a police charge. Behind me were several patrol bombs and canisters of homemade napalm. A nasty mixture of Vaseline, polystyrene, and perpetual. I always knew it would come down to this, a final battle, but the reality of being there, the thick, plungeous atmosphere, made my stomach turn over. Then from behind our ranks came a voice. And when we've eaten all we could, and when we had his fill, he called away and wound his tail. Nine times around the hill. He stepped out of the shadows and pushed his way towards the front line, walking towards him in no man's land. He served between the fleece and work crew, as bold as brass. It was Goatface. Goatface had always been part of Drake's bear, as far as I was concerned, a semi-legible character. I played in the woods as a boy. My friends and I would dare each other to go deeper into where the light didn't shine, into where a mad tramp lived. He would come scuttering out of the shadows, muttering under his breath, or sometimes loom from behind an ancient oak or use silent as a ghost. 
I guess you must have been pretty, looked pretty much like your average tramp. You wore a flading black trench coat, even in the middle of summer. I bet it was tied a piece of hairy string in lieu of a belt. He had shaggy grey trousers and hobnail boots. He had a long, uncapped beard that gave him his name, almost flackled with spittle, filth and crumbs. He almost as, as if he was cultivating something in it. His weather-breaten face had a faganesque hooked nose and two mad plodded eyes that shone out through the grime. He looked like some ungodly cross between old father time and Albert Stepstoe. And the woods themselves were equally as odd. According to the map, Drake's bear covered about around 300 acres, yet it seemed so much bigger. Perhaps it just looked that way for a child's eyes. But the odd effect still struck me when I returned as an adult. Even at the edges, very little light penetrated. He filtered through the dense canopy of herbage above. This gave the wood an odd sort of contrast, vibrant twilight. Everything seemed tinted green. In Drake's Bear, you could think yourself in the middle of Siberian Taijaya. It seemed so distant, so far from civilization. And in its centre stood Worm Hill. Worm Hill rose several hundred feet out of the middle of the woods, visible for miles round. It was a well-known local landmark. No sheep ever grazed there. It was encircled by rings and formed tears up its sides. A local legend was that they were formed by the coils of a dragon that laid it that led in the hollow hill and came out to wrap itself about the mould about the mould mound he climbed it up, up it on a number of occasions we were always out of puff by the time we reached the top but it was worth it for the view miles of North Yorkshire moors were visible on a clear day you could make out Whitby on the coast to the east, you can run down the spiral colours of them in the mountain. Imagine what size of beasts would would have made them. My dad told me about that Wormhill was actually an Iron Age fort, and its circles were its ramparts. Apparently, in the early 1960s, a team of archaeologists from Leeds University excavated the area, but the dig only lasted a week. And then closed down abruptly. Apparently, nothing of note was found. A team leader, Professor Amos Hartley, retired afterwards. He has been left undisturbed ever since. As we got older, our fear of Goatface lessened. He never actually did anything to us. He was never aggressive or unkind. He was just there. You could see him in the woods. He might stare briefly, but then. He would go away into the trees like an animal. He lived deep in the centre of the woods. I only saw his home a couple of times. It was a thick, tangled strand of black thorn. I stumbled in it quite by accident. He had worn the following branches together, woven them, forty branches together, to form tunnels, running a central dome of woven thicket and congregated iron, 
with odd bits of tarpaulin slung across it. A makeshift chimney rose from it, black and sooty. It wasn't us who gave him his name. His older boy, Keith Beefy Johnson. Beefy Johnson was a bully of Drake's End, middle school. Though he was quite a coward on his own, Beefy usually had an entourage of henchmen. The Beefy Johnson gang. They took to hanging around the woods. They gave the old man the name of Goatface. They would torment him, screaming, Goatface, Goatface, over and over, throwing stones, then running when he hobbled after them, squeezing swinging the gnarled old walking stick he'd always carried. He wheezed horribly and dribbled plentum down his beard. He mumbled and hissed, but I could never make out the words. They just, they sounded foreign. Sometimes he would play strange music or set cold black pipes. The really disturbing sound would float down through the woods, sounding more like a piping language. Their music. I was amazed when my granddad said he knew him. Amber Skinner were his real name, he said. His family came up from Northumberland way. I knew him when I were at university down at Leeds. My granddad done three years at university, rare for a working class bloke in those days. He studied farming agriculture. He's not long after the war. He'd been a bright lad and won a scholarship. He went to farm rapeseed just outside Wakefield. Wouldn't you credit it? It would be would would it you lad? He were bloody clever once. Best in the year. He weren't he had just been a farmer he would have been a good job down the old smoke with the agricultural department or something. I can't believe it were the same bloke me. What happened, Grandad? If he was so clever like. What happened to him? I asked. Went mad, son, mad as a bag of spoons. He got a dose of religion. Don't ask me which one. Some crackpots, foreign rubbish, I think. Always he found his little book. One of them creaky old light bookshops up Hembrun Bridgeway said he told him how to grow crops really fast, no matter how poor the soil was. Something to do with old gods of worth, fertility. The more he read the lunar got, he would wander up into the moors in the woods for days on end. Miss Lectures never washed, come back to his digs covered in dirt and blood. Some of the other students said he was sacrificing cats and chickens to something up in the drake's bearer, but I can't say if that were true or not. He said it is very bad revolution that would revolutionize farming. Said there'll be no hunger ever again. Now this is just after the war. People still were being rationed. Happens that's why he's Tom Forney was tolerated up at the university at, to a point. He could have made it big. I think he'd been really done something special for groundbreaking. But one night he was caught wandering through campus, covered in mud and blood, screaming his ruddy head off. He had thrown off the course and kicked out of his lodgings. He just up the left of the woods. Lived there ever since. Never been right in the head since. He's a wrong un, that bloke. I often wondered what the old man lived off. I suppose he might have picked 
must pick berries and grow his own food. I thought you must have some livestock, because of several creatures heard him, him mention feeding it. It seemed it to be the only words he said that were not gibberish. The beefy gents and gang continued to torment Goatface for a couple of years. The beefy, the beefy disappeared. Nobody was ever found, despite a massive police search. No one was ever charged. I suppose they would have questioned old Ebenezer Skinner, but I never heard anything about it. The Johnsons moved away down south. Some of the people in the village suspected the old mad bastard out of the woods had done Beefy in. They spoke darkly about him, but no one ever did anything. My my mum wouldn't let me play in those woods after that. My mate's mum all did all did the same thing. This was the summer of seventy seven. I didn't see Goatface again for years. I grew up left school, attended college and finally joined. Funny moved away to study ecology at Cardiff University. I joined Greenpeace there, went on several protest marches and rallies. It was just after my graduation. I heard of government plans that run a road straight through my childhood playground. There were bee orchards in Drake Bear. Drake Bear. There were red squirrels. Some said there was even mice eared bats, stuff that really find elsewhere. The woods were like a little natural park. A plan was run a relief road through the woods and skirt around Wormwood, Worm Hill. It would destroy many acres and dissect the forest. A danger the heavy traffic would pose for wildlife was obvious. I felt immediately left immediately to join the direct action protest and thought of another piece of green strip away forever made my blood boil. The fact that it was my piece of green made me all the more angry. Group grew over the weeks and months, as did Elfland. I was surprised to found Goatface was still alive and well. We hadn't seen him that often. Usually we'd hear his unsettling music rising through the woods when the moon was fat. A wet, reedy, piping, pregnant, with strangeness. When we did bump into him on some deep woodland path, he never speak, but gave us a nod if he knew what we were doing and was grateful. I always got, almost got to like him, almost. We had the cost of government hundreds of thousands of pounds, put their nasty little project back months. Roadblocks, iron spikes and tyres, caterpillar tracks, sand and oil engines. We tried all the tricks. Now it looked like it was all over. They were, we were well entrenched, but vastly outnumbered. All that stood between us and the police, the diggers and us, was Albinia Skinner, old Godface. The sun was crawling behind the horizon, throwing the whole scene into an ephemeral cloak of twilight. The old man cast off a huge trench coat and stood bare-chested. His scrawny body was a network of scars, strange symbols carved into his flesh. I had an unpleasant feeling that they were self-inflicted. He threw back his head and bellowed, and I had a monastic, primal scream. I found hard to educate 
with such a frail-looking old man. Then he began his jabbering. It though there were words then they were not in any language known to me. They sounded like a gruntled snorts, high-pitched whines and horrid chatterings. Perhaps they were vestiges of the original primeval urban language, rising up from the old man's subconscious. Who knows? Police might have been slightly taken back, and he didn't do anything. At the height of his manacled ravings, he threw back his head and whipped a black-bladed knife out of his montrose's pocket. Quick as a flash, he's cutting singles of his own flesh, opening up with swells and curves of flesh and wet tears of blood. His hands moved fast across his pigeon chest, while his face seemed lost in a ghostly expression of almost homogastic ecstasy. And the wheels of gore fell to the dust. He shrieked something that I think must have been an invocation, a calling, a name of something. Allah, Allah, Lolo Agoa. There was a dry rustling from the woods behind us. Something stirred in the treepots and made the dead leaves dance with tiny horses. The ground began to tremble. This something was stirring beneath our feet. A murmur broke out among the ranks. Then someone noticed the police were staring not at us, but behind us. As one, the crowd turned and looked up at Worm Hill. There seemed to be odd kind of numerous about it. Like a heat haze, it seemed to trace a path down, and ruts encircled a hill. The effects seemed to move were often in grace. It ran like water down the tracks, forming coils about the hill. As I watched, trying to work out what was causing this strange sight, I noticed it seemed to be solidifying. The haze was something beginning more, becoming more like a greenish light. The front end of the phenomenon reached the foot of the hill and seemed to slide into the trees. As a rustling in the woods began to grow as coil after coil green light slivered down from the hill and entered the woods. None of us knew what it was. I think it, we all imagined it to some kind of trick Skinner had an engineered. I recall being impressed at the point and wondering how the old bugger had pulled it off. None of us were ready for what came next. Out the woods came a sound. It was nothing I ever heard. I could try to explain it as being bird-like, a sort of thundering screech, but it would not do it justice. It had a more bass. It was almost as if it sounded sounds inside my head rather than external. But I know that can't be right, as I saw the others react to it. The noise seemed to stir something deep in my memory. Something bad. There, there was another sound accompanying the screech. It was like the sails of an old-fashioned ship unfurling or huge blankets being beaten. I realised with shock I was listening to the beatings of huge wings. We didn't scream, not at first. We d- wouldn't, couldn't even move. What came crashing out of those woods, half sivering, half lapping, burnt itself into the mind of everyone. 
They saw it together with one word, Dragon. It was a huge, hundreds of meters. It was huge, hundreds of feet long. It rose from the shadows of Drake's beer wood. His titan back wings half open, armored scales glistened in inspiration green. A sheen making rainbow patterns like oil and water. Four tree trunk thick legs terminated in clutching scythe talons. The tail seemed to trail unlendlessly into the woods with an uneasy writhing and coiling. At the end of Long Neck was a horned head, a reptilian nightmare. I saw row after row of carved white teeth, strong as steel, sharp as razors. A great forked tongue flickered in and out the scanty lying jaws, tasting the air, caustic sigh of lava, dripped from the moor hissing like water on a hot plate. It wasn't the teeth that scared me the most, it was the eyes, vast orbs of golden fire with black silts. They were looked so old, so very, very old. It turned to glance down at the Elflanders in Godlem with a vile understanding. The wings opened and beat once. It was up and over the crowd, landing and canning ability in no man's land. The jaws opened and it spat forth in white fire. Bulldozers exploded, cartwheeling high in the air and crashing down in charred ruin. The police caught them in the biting white hate, hate hot blasts were dead before they hit the floor. A heat boiled their innards, sending them vomiting from their own mouths as flaming liquid flesh. They danced briefly like ghastly manorettes before becoming wisps of carbon. Those who escaped the blast ran, bowls emptying. The dragon fell upon them, and the jaws flashed down. A seized the victim, he hoisted him aloft and shook him in a manner. A bull terrier might shake a rat. Again and again the jaws flashed. He snapped up human prey with a lurid, wet crunching. A handful of men had escaped, running merrily into the night. The beast could easily caught, have easily caught them or stuck, struck them down with a jet of flame. I think it wanted them to escape. I want. I wanted them to tell their masters they had seen and draped bear. I was doubled up, wrenching, at, as were most of the other protesters around me. Some have, some had failed themselves. I saw Billy the troll scoop up a pro Mrs. Let Parkus and run for cover. It screeched again, and some dark memory rose inside me. I was frightened ape running across the plain under hot sun, running for my life. A puny mammal that spat and shitted as it scrawled for cover and other moaning members of its kind. A massive black and white black shadow fell across the land. An airborne predator whirled above us. The screech came again, echoing oh, through the ages, through the countless generations, across species into the present day. The race memory faded, leaving me in spasms. I read it. I heard a human voice. My mind clutched at it. 
like a drowning man grabbing up a, a branch. I knew he'd come, the old worm. He might have come already if he thought his own were getting messed up with. I heard Adrian this. Ain't late an added high rates, but as added sleep six months he can sleep acorns. But there's lot of them there's loads of them over the world. Just no time to keep for them to wake up. He began to laugh, almost doubling up as much as I did in my sickness. A monstrous creature folded its tightened wings and slithered back into the woods. As it as it went, it seemed to be losing form again, having becoming more ephemeral. I turned my head up towards the hill and saw the shimmering, coals slipping, ghosts, like into the side of the mountain itself. Goatface, his wounds were quite healed, but calmly picked up his coat and followed. I wondered about his words, and just when would be the right time to, for them to wake up? I never went back to Drake's band. The government abandoned the plane, plan for good, for really thrown a coy into the what happened stated that one of the bulldozers exploded due to a serious fire, electrical fire. A planes had been engulfed several more machines, ignited their petrol tanks, and men were killed with a serious explosion. I have not seen any of my old friends from Elfland. I think that, like me, they have given up I went back to Drake's bear. The government abandoned its plans for relief road and its quarry to what happened stated that one of the bulldozers had exploded due to a serious electrical fault. The flames engulfed several more machines, ignited their petrol tanks. The men were killed in the showing explosion. I have not see, seen any of my old friends from Elkland. I think, like me, they've given up direct action. I now live in central London, as far as I can from any wood. Still, when the wind whips up the trees and bark, sweeping across the land, I shake the ancient screech of the dragon. Dragon still reaches down through time to haunt what little sleep I have. <laughs>